1: This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Don't tell us that we're making things up when the entire discussion about hiring coaches and offensive coordinators has been married to the quarterback. What in the damn hell are we talking about here? Of course, we're all going to ask questions when you hire Cliff Kingsbury, who is famously without a job and working at USC as an assistant to a guy who's known to also be an offensive mind. Yeah, we're going to connect the dots. You can tell me they're not on paper. That's fine. Who are you going to believe? You're my eyes. My eyes! My eyes! When we talk about everything changing so fast with NIL and with college football falling apart, when you start talking about this longtime veteran NFL personnel guy, you're likely talking about a crusty old fart that doesn't even know how to think about where things are now, let alone where things are going. This is not the case, but let's say that Caleb Williams really
2: wants to go to Washington, and he makes it known that he doesn't want to play for the Bears. The Bears don't have to trade him to Washington. They can make it someone else's problem.
3: Bernstein and Hope, Midday Stadium. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
1: Yeah, spirited stuff yesterday with Layla Rahimi in on the Bernstein and Holmes show. That's what you have right now. And we are here until two o'clock watching all of these transactions fly around the NBA as we speak, having nothing to do with your Chicago Bulls. But Yet. hey, man. Yet. 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 Maybe. Yet. Maybe. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios. Brought hard
2: eight, hard eight.
1: Your local Hyundai dealers: Ray Diaz, Adam Studzinski, Brandon Fryer, Connor O'Donnell, Kevin Lapka, The producing team, and we're busy today. Nick Firdell is going to join us to talk NBA in a few moments. We are also going to talk about those artist renderings of the Chicago White Sox Stadium. These so beautiful, pretty. sparkling, pretty, lovely, awesome. Uh, high noon at 1140, Matt Bowen at noon. We have some new Bears Hall of Famers, if we reports think, are to be believed.
2: It's, yeah, we think that, that uh, some of our favorites are going to make it into the Hall
1: of Fame. I think so, too. I think that they either ha- have or I I, I don't we'll really, know. Tonight, know how to phrase it. We'll know tonight or tomorrow night. We'll know I don't know. For sure at it's some tonight, some it's and tonight. the voting has already taken place. Right. So yeah. they are theoretically in. The announcement just hasn't been made. But maybe it has because it leaked. So there.
2: Well, we knew about we knew that Mongo had like a great chance of it being him. But the one the one I I wasn't worried about Julius Peppers at all. I was worried about whether Devin would get in. So I'm very excited that it looks like he's going to get in Got a lot of stories.
1: Devin does or you do? I do because
2: I I covered him in Pep. So
1: it's exciting to see those guys get in. We will discuss all that as uh, trying to see if the Bulls can figure out a way to actually get themselves closer to winning a title.
2: Okay, so here's where I'm at. I feel like they need to make trades. I think it's unlikely that they will. My question is for you, Dan Bernstein,
1: what is the argument for not making trades? There isn't one. There's not a valid argument for not trying to do something other than this current build. If they're honest, if they come out and just say, we're okay with being competitive enough, and they kind of have said it before, we want to be a tough out and get in the play-in tournament and entertain people, and and essentially, it's not a team it's, it's a cast for a dinner theater production that keeps playing at the UC.
2: I hope that that's not the way that they look at this. I know that the players don't look at themselves as
1: being a cast for dinner theater. But that's what it is. They, they're selling out every night. It's a great night out. They're competitive enough. They win approximately half of their games. And maybe they get a puncher's chance against a better team. But now they're mediocre. They're old. They're, they're capped they're up, out. They're up against the cap. And they
2: have no real young prospects other well, I shouldn't say that. Kobe White has emerged and developed as a, a player. I think that there's something there with Julian Phillips. Oh, yeah, there's traits. And he plays hard. Like it's it's not just the traits. Like he actually goes out there and plays hard. But real NBA teams have have six of him. Right, and and you don't. There's a part of me, Dan, that really feels like, the, even with them kind of, oh, we're going to let the, the media in and we're going to let them see Lonzo shooting a basketball. There's a part of me that feels like they want to see if Lonzo can They're, get healthy they enough. Know, they know better. I, I
1: don't know that they, they know better. They know you better. don't know that they know they, better. They know better. And, and, and they they well, know Lonzo well, Dan, is likely if, done. If, if no, one sur- no one has ever come back from this No one has ever come back from the surgery. Then why run it back? There's no there's no good answer to that. I like the point the seven seven three says the Bulls are a semi serious Savannah bananas. Hmm. Yeah. They get a lot of money for their ticket. It's 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 a hot ticket, it's a great entertainment product. And what if they do think that he's he's gonna come back? They don't. You can't. Why? Because no one. Because if this is an experimental surgery that is. Maybe is, the experiment went great. It is designed to give him a quality of life. It's not designed to have. There's. There's. He has been omnipresent lately around the Bulls. But he's he not, has
2: been he, on the broadcast he's and not they, running. and they allowed people to take video of him shooting he, a basketball. He's not running. Okay. The the next season doesn't start until October. And that's, that's what it seems like they're gearing up for. It's still, so you, why would that not, not be a part it, it, of their like you equation? Know,
1: like, but you, you know that that's not viable. If that, you got to stand there Dan, and say we're it.
2: not talking about what I think is viable. Then that I don't think it's viable for them to run it back with the same group of people I mean, even, and expect a different result.
1: I think even I'm if, talking about the way that they think. Well, he's going to talk today. These are all questions he needs to be asked. Because even if Lonzo Ball were 100% healthy, this isn't going anywhere. Not with DeMar DeRozan playing these minutes at his age. Not with the apparent decline in Nikola Vucevic's game. It's just not. so. Well, I mean, they have to answer for that, too. Like, why did you feel... But all of the answers lead back to them
2: having a vision for what it is that they wanted the Bulls to look like, and they're going to follow through with it, even though there's been evidence saying that that vision can't happen. For example... That's part of the reason they extended Vooch is because they believe that this group of people is going to net them an opportunity to be winners in a playoff series, not the play in, but a playoff series. Everything that they've done up to this point, including giving a max deal to Levine, extending Vooch. And so far not trading Caruso, Drummond, and DeMar says to me that they think that they've got a winning squad here and they're waiting on and and the fact that they've never how long has it been since Lonzo got hurt and what's been their strategy on replacing him it's been nothing it's been let's wait around to see which which of the guys after the trade deadline end up being contracts that are well first it was Goran Dragic
1: Didn't want to be here. Didn't want to be here and resented the dynamics of the team, told everybody off and bailed.
2: Then it was Patrick Beverly, and then you didn't re-sign him. And so you go back into another season needing an actual point guard. Now, the good news for them is that Kobe White did develop. I still don't consider him a point. I consider him a lead guard. But there's nothing that they've done that tells you that they don't think that this is the right formula to win. Everything is pointing towards that. So it's not crazy to think that they think that Lonzo Ball is going to come back and save them. All right, well, because they're acting like a team that's doing exactly that. Well, we're you're... saving a space for them. Yeah, that's fine.
1: And and maybe they're doing. It's one thing to do what you did for Jay Williams, and we know that the Bulls did it for Jay Williams when they knew he was never going to play again. But they allowed him to rehab. They held out the carrot for him. He said he was making his comeback. And and on the court, it was proven he just couldn't move.
2: I'm okay with them doing all of that stuff if they had actually replaced the point guard. But they haven't. Why don't we talk with Nick Friedel about this?
1: Okay, because I, I just looking at, at what the market is fetching for some guys now, I'd like to see, you know, I, I want to know where they're pricing Caruso Drummond anybody who Kelly Olinick
2: talks- is out here getting first round picks in return. I mean, we'll see. There's still time, but we're gonna talk with Nick Friedel about it, get his thoughts about it. Very excited to have him back on the score airwaves. We're gonna talk more buckets in trade deadline. With the Bulls? Question mark, shrug, emoji. After this on the
0: score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone fifteens, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's Odyssey
1: Station. <laughs> Andre, you've been obviously around for
2: <coughs> quite a few
1: minutes. What uh, this time of year always has brings a certain amount of anxiety. What are your feelings going into this trade deadline? As far as rumors around you and, and what that could mean for you in the next forty-eight hours? You know, I just control what I can control. Uh, I don't is that have hard it? to do, or is it
3: learn? Nah, man, man.
1: I've been doing this for 12 years, man. So if
3: it didn't change then; it won't change now. There's nothing I can do about it. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, great. Either way, I'm just gonna continue to come in and do my job on a night, on a daily basis. What do you hope happens? Hmm? What do you hope happens? I mean, obviously, there's teams calling on you. What do you? What do you? Again,
0: I control what I can control. Whatever
1: jersey I put on, which is Chicago Bulls, that's who I play for now a healthy way of looking at it for a guy who's worked hard on his own mental health in the last calendar year Andre Drummond he says 12 years feels like 20 it's hard to believe it's only been 12 for him and no movement on the Bulls front here to talk about the trades that are flying across the NBA right now as we speak and what might happen between now and the deadline is Odyssey NBA insider Nick Friedel he's on Twitter at Nick Fridell, and he joins us Now on the score hotline that is presented by Circa Sports Illinois, download the Circa Sports app today. Always check out twitch.tv slash 670. The score. What's up, Nick?
3: Dan Lawrence, it is great to be with you guys. I mean, just hearing the Bulls aren't going to do much. I felt like I was going back into a time machine. (laughs) It just never changes, does it?
2: It doesn't seem that way. Look, you covered this team for a really long time, and I know it was a different management back then, but – why Why in the world would they stand pat? Like, what
3: reason is there for them to stand pat? <laughs> I, there's not. <laughs> I mean, they're just – they're never really going to change, are they? I, I, the amount of times – and it wasn't just at the trade deadline, but it would be in the summer when all the free agency talk would happen – it's all the years of, are they going to go into the tax? I mean, guys, they are who they are. And it starts all the way at the top. Uh, the, it's on Mike, and it was on Jerry before him. But as far as Karnasovic and Eversley, I mean, if you're a fan of this team, I don't see how in the world you could have any faith uh, in the direction they're going. I mean, they're not going anywhere, and and that that is the worst place that you can possibly be in pro sports. And it feels like, uh, especially since I left Chicago, guys, uh, that's where they live. I mean, they're just stuck in the middle, and they, they made uh, bad hires uh, with the front office. I think that's very clear, and it's become clear. Over time, and when that happens, and you don't hire the right people and they're making the wrong moves, you get the mediocrity that they're stuck in right now.
1: There is a thematic statement in John Milton's Paradise Lost where the fallen angel declares it's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. And it appears the Bulls are not only in NBA hell, they enjoy it. They, they want to be there for some reason, and rather than explaining to fans how, and recognizing how they're going to get out, it, it seems to me, Nick, like they look at a full stadium and they see what is essentially has become, for lack of a better term, dinner theater. And the entertainment product is outstanding. And, and they spare no expense when it comes to the bells and whistles in the entertainment. That just has to be competitive enough. It's just, it's it's insulting to fans in a competitive sport that they're so pleased to be an NBA hell.
3: Yeah, I mean, Dan, you said it perfectly. Especially in Chicago. I, I think that's the thing. As I became more removed, I I went and covered the Warriors for a few years out in the Bay Area. Then I uh, was around the Nets in New York City. When when you see how certain teams operate, especially in certain markets, and I compared that to my experience around the Bulls in Chicago, Illinois, with the passionate fans uh, that exist in in the city, it's stunning. (laughs) But you realize why they are where they are. It, it, it's funny listening to the buildup there and what we're talking about, because I was talking to Cody Westland, who's worked for you guys and done a great job forever. He's one of my closest friends. And I was telling him that the last time I was around everybody at the score was 17 years ago. We were all down in Miami. The Bears were in the Super Bowl. Mitch had hired me as a gopher to basically drive Murph around and pick up food for everybody day day to day.
1: Get me my life. We could have
3: had the same conversation about the Bulls in that moment 17 years ago that we're having right now. What hell are they doing? Why are they making the decisions that they're either making or they're not making? When you have a team – that has that type of reputation, not just locally and not just within the fan base, but across the league, there's no wonder why they have the product on the floor that they do.
2: Nick, I know you talk to a lot of people around the league. Are are we overvaluing the players that the, that the Bulls have on their roster? Are, are people just not interested? Because it, it feels like everything that I've seen that people would like to have Alex Caruso, maybe DeMar DeRozan, maybe Andre Drummond. Is there a market for those players to be traded?
3: Lawrence, I think there's always a market when you want to make a move, when you're motivated to do so. And specifically to Caruso, certainly there's there's a lot of interest in him. DeRozan, in the last year of that deal, at the age that he's at, I'm curious, to see just what a team would give back. But, again, we're running in these themes that, that we've all talked about for so long. I mean, go back in time, guys. Uh, when when they made the Levine deal, I mean, I didn't think that that you should have given him the first extension, the Bulls should have. But then the worst mistake that they made, the, the new front office, the single worst mistake was not moving him while he was on that – initial extension you kept him and you signed him to a max and now it's like uh (laughs) uh-oh he got hurt again oh you're kidding me he's got three years left on a max deal he's not a max player so they've been overvaluing the assets that they do have for years I mean this is not anything new for anyone who has followed the team but specific to today and what they well it seems like they did
2: the same thing with Vooch too where they yeah, they, they overvalued their own guy, completely,
3: and and they they did the same thing with Lou Aldang, you know, ten fifteen years ago. I mean, it's it, it's a pattern. Uh, I I can't believe I would ever defend Gar and Pax uh, because it was long past due for them to be gone and for there to be a fresh start uh, with a new front office. But if you're a Bulls fan, you'd rather have Gar and Pax right now than than anything Karna and Eversley have done. I, I mean, to sit there, if in a few hours the Bulls don't make a move or you know, they move Andre Drummond for not much, I would be livid if I were a season ticket holder because not only are you not very good right now, where are they going? There's, there's not room for them to be uh, much of a, of a difference maker in the next few years. And this is the issue. It's not just about today and what may happen I mean they are so locked into mediocrity it's scary
1: and what's disappointing to me too Nick is when these two guys were hired I looked at their record connected to development we can say what we want about the names that we know or the the, the guys that they're drafting but both the Raptors and the Nuggets had an exceptional developmental record when you can make Fred Van Vliet out of nothing and Pascal Siakam, and and I mean, you can, I mean, obviously Jokic is a a once-in-a-lifetime player, but finding value in development, and we're still waiting on that. The fact that we're celebrating Kobe White at this point awesome wonderful but now you've got a responsibility that you have developed him to look at where his prime years are going to be and instead of letting all these old stars age around him th- th- this should be the-, the tip of the iceberg there should be more guys developing where has that
3: piece been it, it hadn't been there I, and and I couldn't agree with you more when you when you read about and you talked about what Eversley and Carnesovas have been known for in, in these previous stops, especially Carnesovas, when you talk to people across the league, they went, well, the younger guys figure to get better. And for the most part, aside from what Kobe White has done for most of this year, they just haven't. And when you change front offices, you're looking for themes. You're looking for reasons to get excited about what has occurred. And one more time, what reason is there to be excited right now if you're attached to the organization? I mean, they, These guys just feel like they, they took over for Gar and Pax, and it, it's either more of the same or it's worse than what it has been, which is just crazy. But when you watch the younger players on that team, you're kind of like, ah, I mean, I, really? This is all that there is? And, and you look at Pat Williams. I mean, what, what where is he gone, and why do, would you feel confident about where he's going? And I just, I watch what's gone on, and I, I know so many people within the organization still who have been there such a long time, and they're always so hopeful that things will turn. But if you keep making the wrong choices, the wrong choices build up over time, and sometimes you can't nap yourself out of it. But uh, in this case, I mean, this is why if you're Mike Reinsdorf and you've seen what's going on, I would change that front office in a heartbeat. It's not working. It hasn't worked. They haven't done the job. Get somebody else in here who will. Nick, I I
2: really believe that they're still holding on to what they had on their dry erase board three years ago that they thought, you know, with Lonzo Ball at the point guard, and it made sense, like, the, the, you have a, a guy that that could hit threes, that was a, a tempo guard, like, all this stuff could defend, could be the tip of the spear on defense, like, all that stuff. What what bothers me, I don't have a problem with that being the vision, adding that to DeMar and Zach Levine and Vooch. What bothers me is that after his injury, they never really replaced him, and they're still stuck. Three years later, we're still looking for the Bulls to have a point guard, and it doesn't make sense that that doesn't exist.
3: Uh, I I agree wholeheartedly. And the thing that always scared me, Lawrence, in, in the the Lonzo signing, is it's like, okay, well, he's a good player when he's on the floor, but is he always going to be on the floor? And this is coming off the heels of Derek and, and everything that everybody went through during uh, that whole up-and-down time in the organization's history. When they signed a guy who had had injury problems before he got there, I went, well, uh, well, didn't we all just see how this movie played out? And now uh, he's missed two seasons, and everyone's going, ah, well, we, we can we can keep our continuity in place, and let's hope for the best. But I, I'm with you. I mean, it's the same thing. It's like it, even talking about it right now, it's like deja vu. They never found uh, the right answer for when Derek went out, uh, at least consistency-wise, for the next few years, and they're not finding the right answer for when Lonzo Ball's out on the floor. And that goes all the way up one more time. I mean, when you're making those kind of decisions and you're saying, this is our core, we believe in this guy, and – Something happens and you can't fix it, that is on everybody. The only thing I always push back on with the Lonzo Ball stuff is it's a nice team. Certainly they had success when he was out there and you thought, oh, it's coming together a little bit. But guys, where where was that team ever really going? This is a Bulls team that should be doing everything they can to win championships. And it was my feeling, and certainly others in the league, that even if everything had worked out great and he had stayed healthy, is it a A solid playoff team, sure. But is it a team that's really going to contend for a title? Absolutely not.
1: Nick, before we let you go, let's look at some of the deals that are going down already. Uh, Daniel Gafford is headed to Dallas, so it looks like that takes Andre Drummond out of consideration there. Similarly, the Sixers have made a move for Buddy Heald. And there are some some fringe deals being made. Gordon Hayward is getting dealt as well. As you start looking at some of these moves and the valuations of these players, what is it telling you about the current market?
3: Uh, it, it tells me that I don't expect anything gigantic uh, to to happen here in the next few hours. And, and, and as usual on the trade deadline, everybody gets so focused on, well, what's my team going to do? Because it can bring hope, even In the short term or in the long term, if you start making moves. But in my experience, aside from last year, when the Nets fell apart and they're moving Kyrie and and Kevin Durant, we saw that those moves didn't even really help Dallas or Phoenix that much. Uh, I just have never put that much stock into what's going on. In my mind, you've got the teams that are in place and built to win at the end. And nothing has swayed me from what I've seen this year to think that it's not still Denver up top, Boston out of the East, if they can stay healthy, and then we'll see what happens in the postseason. But there's nothing I've seen today or in the last few days in the build-up to the deadline that makes me think that it's going to be a really big difference maker for anybody who has a chance to, to do something special this year.
2: Nick, let's talk like big NBA in a couple of weeks, man. After the Bulls don't do anything, um, this this was a real treat. I'm so happy that we've got access to you and and you're able to come and be back here on the
3: Score, guys. It's great to be with you. It it really feels uh, uh, special to me too because I feel like everything came full circle from when Andy Garcia got me in the building with you all, all those years ago. So I look forward to it, and anytime you have me, I'll be there.
1: That's Nick Ferdell, Odyssey NBA Insider on Sports Radio 670, The Score. A deal's been completed between the Knicks and the Pistons. The Knicks are getting Bojan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks in exchange for a big bag of nothing. Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, never Google. Don't Google his last name. Ryan Archidiakono and Two Seconds. So these are the names that are appearing on our NBA ticker today. But again, the Bulls have better players than that. Yep.
2: Do something. <laughs>
1: Just do something that at least tells us that you care, you
2: have, that you actually care. Oh, That's man. all we ask for. Two
1: o'clock might be real sad. You want a scouting report on the Bears' new offensive coordinator? Yes,
2: I and I'd like to try and give it full context. It was definitely troubling when I heard it and uh-huh. saw it yesterday. Uh-huh. So let's try to walk through what, if anything, it means, shall we? It's next on The
3: Score. Bernstein and Holmes, Midday's 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. The rain has started again. 29 to Philadelphia, Seattle down by 4, 3rd down and 10, 33 seconds left. Shotgun snap,
0: three-man rush, lock throws, long pass down the far sideline, caught, over the shoulder, it's grabbed, Smith and Jenga, touchdown, touchdown, Seattle, touchdown. The Seahawks have taken the lead.
3: Quit yelling.
0: 28
1: seconds to go! Keep yelling. Yeah, keep yelling. He, he didn't get the name quite right, but it's close enough. That was Kevin Harlan on Westwood One describing the football play from a guy who gave us a an inadvertent scouting report or an, an opinion about the Bears' new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron.
2: So let me give you a little bit of background here because – This is one of the things that we were talking about on football night in Chicago yesterday. Our guy, Josh Schrock is also out in Las Vegas. And he talked with Jackson Smith and Jigba about Shane Waldron and got a much better presented answer about him. Now, eventually inside of this cut, he finds his way into saying that he enjoyed playing to him. The problem is is that at the beginning of this cut, the silence from him is deafening.
3: Bears fans are super interested about the offensive coordinator coming in, Shane Waldron. What can you tell them about who they just hired to, to uh, try to get this offense where it needs to go? Um, I, uh, oh. this, is, uh, this is live? Yeah. <laughs> We're not
2: live. We're not live. I'm playing. Uh... <laughs> Uh, good luck to y'all. I mean, he, he's a he's a great person. Great offensive coordinator I was very lucky to have him my first year learned a lot from him um, I think he's gonna I think him and Justin will mesh well and um, You know adding more guys around him. Uh, I think it would be great. So we'll see
3: Do you do you have any advice that you give to Justin in that situation? Considering that you know the coach that's coming in.
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean he's gonna love Justin um, so really just Justin be yourself and, and go make plays for real. <laughs> That's it.
1: Fair enough. Um yeah. That's uh courtesy CHGO. Yeah.
2: Our guy, Adam Hogue, Mark Carmen. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> feel it good that you hear that. Now <laughs> now now when I he, see he actually said I don't recall saying
0: good luck. It was it was the long pause and then the first words are Good luck to y'all. Yep. What?
1: Yep. And then is this live? Is this like is right? We, no, we, it's memorized. Is this what? Good luck to y'all.
2: Now there were people in the comments that were really mad. They're like, "Well, uh, so, you know, y'all. he's a rookie. He's a rookie wide <laughs> receiver. Luck, he's the third wide receiver. Obviously, he doesn't like the offense coordinator." I I hear you. I hear you on that. It's all, all of it. You put it all together. He's probably not 100% right. And people who love Shane Waldron are not probably 100%. Just put it all together. Just the
1: reaction wasn't great. Let me bring this up, too. And this is what I've been saying about how toxic and how necessarily avoidable Bears Twitter can be. Mm-hmm. The number of fanboys that came out in full throated defense of Shane Waldron just because he's on the bears tells you everything you need to know about that conversation and, and the conversation that can occur there. Like people were coming at how dare he like he's never called a play for your team. Right. You have no idea. He could probably walk into the room with a ball cap on, and you wouldn't even know who he is. And the number of people, they were like, what is this guy? It, it, it was insane and off-putting that people, he has yet to call a play for your team, but just because his business card says Chicago Bears, the, the number of people caping for him was astonishing and gross. And stupid. I mean,
2: it. It. They seem to embrace him pretty quickly, from what I saw inside of mentions that Shane Waldron has been in, embraced. I just think that that reaction was astonishing. Good luck to y'all. Yeah. And and his he would know better than we would because he played under the man. So, I think that you put it with everything. You just put it with everything and go, oh, okay. And maybe this is one of those things that years from now th- that we're like, oh, yeah, remember at the Super Bowl that time when they asked Jackson, Smith, and Jigba about Shane Waldron? And he was like, good luck to y'all. Maybe we should listen harder. But. There is definitely a circling of the wagons for the new O.C. Why? I don't know. Why why is that worth your time and effort at all?
1: Because bears.
2: I think there's just like a tribalism that people, they really struggle
1: to. I don't know. Especially with their history of hiring offensive coordinators. They're almost all awful.
0: But he wears, wears the navy blue and orange now. He hasn't even him.
1: worn it
2: yet. Well, he probably has. He's probably got like a He's got a sweat A good a good dry fit while he's up there working on tape and stuff right now. Fine.
1: Next up, let's talk about the artist renderings of this new White Sox stadium. All right, that sounds like a plan. Let's I do that they're, next. They're pretty.
0: I it's like
2: Very it. pretty White Sox. Next on the score.